At Can't Stop Endurance, we work with runners from beginner to advanced. From rookies to marathon champions, we provide personalized coaching to help endurance athletes reach their personal goals. Whether it's a 5K or 100-mile ultra, Can't Stop head coach Kevin Leathers has been there as a coach and an athlete for nearly 40 years. He also serves as a national coach for the St. Jude Heroes Program. And now, here's Coach Kevin. And Coach Holly. And Coach Holly. Hashtag more Holly. Hashtag more Holly. Holly, what are we doing today on this episode? Q&A. We're doing a coach's question and answer. This is our third Q&A episode that we're going to do. Right. And I think I like this because this is what we do all day, every day with our runners. We talk about running. We answer questions. Mm-hmm. We could do this for days and days because there's, there's new questions and new topics all the time. All the time. It's, it's so fun to solve those and look at it from a different perspective and share the idea. And a different perspective or how... Not even a different perspective, but how each of our runners have the same questions, but we might have a little bit of a different answer for each of the runners. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. So let's get into it. Awesome. Let's do it. All right. So the first question we have is, my running friends talk about tempo runs. Mm. What the heck is a tempo run and should I be doing them? We love tempo runs. (laughs) Right? I do, actually. I do like them. A tempo run. If you're not doing tempo runs... If you're an experienced runner and you're not doing some form of a tempo run, you're missing a big key piece. Mm-hmm. Of you're missing out on some speed and some strength training. and endurance, and, everything. You're missing out on all, all the things. And mental training. Mm-hmm. A tempo run done properly stresses you just the right amount physically to make it a challenge, but not too much that you overdo it. And it stresses you mentally because it puts you into a little bit of difficulty mm-hmm. where you have to work on your focus and your game face and your thing. And I think tempo run is a term that gets tossed around a lot, yep. like speed work, mm-hmm. like intervals. People don't, some people know what they're doing. Others think they know what they're doing. So let's technically a tempo run is uh, set at a pace where your body is able to clear as much lactate, which is a byproduct of burning carbohydrates, as it produces. Your body's lactate clearance is at the same level as its lactate production, meaning the the threaded hitting the wall, that dead leg sensation, that going over the edge, and that feeling at the end of a 5K doesn't quite set in. So we're taking you right up to that anaerobic threshold. And then we're going to work right there for a certain set Mm -hmm. period of time, whether it's one mile, two miles, three miles, four miles (laughs) for a a marathon. We may get up to a six six, or an eight mile tempo run. Mm -hmm. Very specific things regarding lactate clearing and threshold work happen at that pace. If you're doing it too slow, you're not getting Mm -hmm. the right benefit and adaptation. If you're doing it too fast, you're racing, you're overtraining you're not getting anything out of the workout. So, you know, in the last Q&A that we did a while ago, we talked about one of the questions was about pacing and where do we get paces? And so we talked about how all coaches have these formulas or we have an, um, an, you know, a program that we use where we plug in your 5K time or a two-mile time trial and we get the numbers of this is what your easy run should be, this is what your long run pa- pace should be we will also give you a tempo pace too and so that is so a lot of people i think they hear the word tempo and they might just go out and do a warm-up and then just run fast for i don't know two miles 20 minutes and they don't really know what pace they should be doing they could be doing that 20 minutes way too fast 
or way too slow. So a good coach will always give you, this is your tempo pace. This is what you should be aiming for to do in order to get the most out of this workout, to accomplish what we want you to accomplish in this workout. Yep. And let's, let's go back to our rate of perceived exertion, the RPE that we learned about. Your, your true tempo pace in general is about 30 ish seconds slower than your current 5k fitness. So that tells you how it's supposed to feel. Mm -hmm. It's right. It's maybe even a little slower than it is a little slower than 10k pace. It's about the pace you could hold in a one hour race. If that was our goal. So hard but hard doable not you know 5k pace is well past lactate threshold yeah that's why it hurts so much at the end because (laughs) your body's not able to process the lactic acid and all those things we're working just back before that and you have to really have that number dialed in or you're getting nothing out of it you're either running it too easy or you're running it too fast and Mm -hmm. this is where we get into that gray zone of training People like to go out and just run their neighborhood four mile loop as fast as they can and PR it every time they yep. can. And that's, that's not, that's counterproductive to what we're really trying to do. Yep. You're going to get injured and you're not going to be able to maintain that day in and day out. And your tempo pace, if you're doing this properly, if you're, we say it all the time, if you use a coach or you learn to think like a coach, your tempo pace changes with your fitness. Oh yeah. So it's, let's say you're going through a, it's 5k season, you're going through a, a five month season of races you want to adjust that tempo as your 5k fitness improves or decreases Mm -hmm. if you have to take a few weeks or months off and your 5k slows down you have to readjust all your paces all your paces Mm -hmm. or you're again then you're overdoing it and overtraining yep um so use one of these pace calculators use a coach who will set that pace for you and typically we apply a range to your tempo pace Let's say your 5K pace right now is eight minutes per pay, mm-hmm. per mile. Your tempo pace is going to be somewhere, let's say, 835. Yeah. I'm going to give you a range. Your tempo pace is between eight minutes and 35 seconds per mile and eight minutes and 43 seconds per yeah. mile. So you have a little bit of a fudge factor for a, a six-mile tempo run is not going to be as fast as a two-mile tempo yeah. run. Mm-hmm. But it's a slight variation, maybe eight seconds difference. Yeah. Or if it's hot and humid or you're somewhere and it's a hilly course, mm-hmm. you've got a little bit of range there. As long as you're inside that range, you're getting the workload that we intended you to get and then getting the adaptations to your training that we're yeah. trying to get. Mm-hmm. So you said the tempo run could be from one mile to eight miles, depending on what you're training for. So how do you determine that? What are the, what are the different types of tempo runs that are specific to the different rate races that people are trying to to run well we know that running at that lactate threshold Mm -hmm. does really good things for your engine for a half marathon or a marathon we might be out there for four five six miles worth of tempo depending Mm -hmm. upon your pace right for a 5k 10k runner your tempo runs might be two to three miles right we're working that part of the engine or we do all kinds of funky things with our tempo runs. We break it up. Like we'll do for a, uh, a 5K runner, we might do three times one mile tempo. Mm-hmm. For a marathoner, that might be three times a two mile tempo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's almost two mile repeats at your tempo pace. Yeah. Very specific, very effective workout. Or 
You can make them do hills and then do tempo in between the hills. We love that workout. That's an old triathlon workout. You do hill repeats. You come off the hill. You go do a tempo segment. Mm-hmm. Come, come back, back. Do more hill repeats. Do a tempo segment. It's it's it, that builds a very strong mm-hmm. mental and physical. It does strength. I That's love one it. of your favorites, isn't it? Oh yes. So we do like to mix up what the tempo runs look like and feel like to keep you physically and mentally challenged. Mm-hmm. So a marathoner, let's say our sweet spot is six miles worth of tempo. It might be a six mile tempo run one week. And then a few weeks later, it might be three times two mile tempos. Yeah. And then the last one might be two times three mile tempos, mm-hmm. like back to back 5Ks yeah. with five minutes rest at yeah. your tempo pace. Mm-hmm. So we're mixing it up. We're using different parts of the muscle. And I do that. I use tempo runs um, with my cross-country team, but I usually do it in time. Yeah. I mean, just like we talked about in the episode with Max uh, Paquette, the giving them not necessarily miles per se, but let's do a hard 10-minute tempo today, or let's do a hard, do a hard 10-minute tempo. Let's take a five-minute break, go back at it another 10 minutes. So I usually give them a, a time breakdown in terms of the 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 – tempo that they're supposed to do yeah and that that tempo run is always going to include a warm-up and a cool down oh yeah if we say to go to a three mile tempo run it's going to be five miles five or six miles Mm -hmm. with three at tempo so you're going to warm up a mile or two Mm -hmm. and that that distance depends upon the time of year in the middle of summer when it's hot and steamy you only need a mile to warm up and then hit your tempo Mm -hmm. cool down for a mile and go home yeah in the winter you might need a full 15 or 20 minutes to warm up and yeah. really get going. And then you hit your tempo section and then you cool down for a mile and you go home. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So now we know what a tempo run is, but you know, people like to do them. They like, they think people are, my friend is doing a tempo run. I like to go fast. We don't just do them on, on a whim. So when, when do you do a, a tempo run? Oh, that's a great question. Tempo runs fit very specifically into your training cycle. Mm-hmm. We don't do tempo runs year round, oh, no. just like we don't do speed work and track year round. Tempo runs are to really build that last piece of the fitness, that race specificity, that sharpening peaking period. So the, like the last eight weeks towards your goal race, that's where you start to introduce the tempo run and you build the distance of the tempo run and then you taper it back down for race day. But yeah. it's not something year round because it starts to lose its effectiveness. But I'd say that eight week sweet spot before your goal race is where we really start to do tempo runs. Okay. Um, all right. So next question. What do you do if you're working your butt off and the race results are not showing improvement? But we hear this a lot, don't we? Mm-hmm. We see it a lot. Yeah, getting stagnant and your race results don't improve mm-hmm. or they start to go backwards. Yeah. We, we see that a lot. It happens. It does happen. That's typically you're overtrained, you're over fatigued, or you're not doing a complete training program. You're mm-hmm. missing something in your workouts. And we don't know what it is unless we take your training log and we look at it and see what you've you're, you're unhappy with your 5k progression over the summer. Well, what have you been doing? Because something could be improved. Yeah. So is it um, you don't have enough aerobic volume that you built over the winter? That's a big one. Yeah. We have a lot of people who kind of take the winter off or their long run is four or five or six or eight miles. That's really not long enough when we talk about slow, easy, aerobic winter mileage. We Mm -hmm. want that run up 
8, 10, 12 miles, whatever your body can handle on a regular basis to build the aerobic engine yeah. that will then give you the aerobic strength to go do the speed work mm-hmm. that will allow you to break those PRs. Yeah. Maybe you are not resting enough in between your hard workouts and your race. You're over racing. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. People often think that if I want to PR at my 5K, I need to. I could, I mean, there are five Ks every weekend, They race every week or every other week. I and mean, you're not giving your body a chance to recover and do the work in between. Yeah. Maybe it's, um, it could easily be hydration. Oh yeah. Or fueling. Mm-hmm. If it's, if it's 5K, 10K racing, you might be showing up to your races and or your workouts under hydrated and dehydrated, which compromises the workout and compromises the recovery and you're out there grinding out these workouts, trying to force them on yeah. a dehydrated body. That's going to do nothing but slow down. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of things that we could say, you know, that you're either doing or not doing that have maybe caused your race results to either plateau or go backwards even. I also think, too, though, that sometimes you just have to be a little patient. Um, I think I started working with you two years ago this month, actually, I think. And my 5K time for about a year and a half stayed within about 30 seconds. And I was kind of frustrated. And I felt like I was doing the work. Um, But the years prior to that, I hadn't been that consistent. I did my own training plans and I ran and I, you know, I did all the things. But that's why I eventually came to you and said, I need, I need help. And I had to be patient to, you know, take a year, a year and a half to be consistent, do the work. And it wasn't until this fall that I started to see some of the speed come in my legs. And my 5K time got a little bit faster than it had been the past year and a half. Um, My 5K time literally stayed within like 15 seconds of, I mean, sometimes it was even worse than that. And I was frustrated because I felt like I was doing what I was supposed to do. Um, And I just had to be a little bit bit patient um, and trust the process and trust that you were eventually going to get me there. Yeah, and it, it does take... Not that I was doing everything perfectly, because right. I wasn't. There are things I could have worked on and um, things that I, I struggled with, but I think part of it, too, is just the trusting the process and being patient, and eventually that it'll pay off. Yeah, and every athlete is different. Some people need a long aerobic base building phase. Mm-hmm. Others respond to a six-week aerobic oh, yeah. base building phase. Some runners can do speed work for a month for four weeks yeah. and be in racing shape. Others need eight weeks mm-hmm. or a year yeah. because your body just has to adapt to all the work. So and it, it depends just, your history, your history as an athlete, as a runner. As, I mean, that's all that plays, plays into that. And then there's the other end of this. You're doing all the work. Your race results are not showing improvement. Well, you eventually come to a point where your race results will no longer improve because of age. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's just a reality of life. And you have to be willing to check your ego and accept that. So the way we think about that, I'm, I, my 5k PR is long gone (laughs) all the way up through the marathon. I might still be able to get close to my marathon PR, but I don't have the leg speed and the youth I used to have. Mm -hmm. So I have to accept that. But I also have to look at my peers. If I, when I'm in let's just say for the local age group competition, when I'm in my best shape, I'll place in the top five of my age group, depending upon the race. Now at, in my mid fifties, my times are slower than they were 
five or 10 years ago, but I'm still placing in the top five. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's the set a new 50 year, I know I'm 50 plus right now. You have to. Like I'm now um, almost 42. What I'm starting to look at, should these be my master's PRs? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to hit the PR that I hit when I was in my late twenties. Can I hit a new? I can. It's it's you know resetting your your goals, resetting your expectations. Expectations, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think so. That applies to everyone, whether it's this runner who sent the question in, and he or she may be doing everything they can do, and they're younger, and they still have PRs in front of them. Okay, trust the process, keep working, and and make sure you're comparing yourself to the right things oh, and yeah. the right benchmarks. And for the older athlete who your PRs are behind you. It's the same thing. Trust the process. Get the most out of the machine you have today. Mm-hmm. But for everybody, the last thing you want to do is quit. Let oh, your yeah. ego win and say, well, if I can't break XYZ in a 5K, I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. Oh, man. That's terrible. I don't even factor that in as an option, but there are people, we know yeah. plenty of people who just can't. If I can't win, if I can't run XYZ, I'm not yeah. doing it anymore. So we don't want that. So find out what you're doing. Find out what you're not doing. And see if you can make some changes. Yep. All right. All right. So the next question. I keep hearing about cadence. What is it and why does it matter? That's a great, I love that. Holly, what is cadence? What? What is that? That's cadence right there. That is, I'm sorry. Um, that is an app on my phone that beats out 180 beats per minute because that is the optimal number of steps that you should take per minute when you are running. Right. And there's, we, we preach that 180 a lot. And it's and if you, if you go on and you do an internet search for cadence, that's going to come up. It, that's the universal target. There's something about the human body that operates most efficiently at 180 steps per minute. And it doesn't matter if you're, if you are Usain Bolt running the hundred meter dash or Meb doing a, a marathon, 180, 180 steps seems per minute. to be the sweet spot. Now it's a target. We know in our running form clinics, we have runners who show up and they are naturally at 190 steps per minute. But those are the super efficient, mm-hmm. not necessarily the fastest people, but super efficient, light on their feet. Because 180 is a, you know, there's a little bit of give and take there. Maybe absolutely. 170 to 190. Yep. So those people that run 190 are the ones who can run in the little shoes that look like slippers because they're <laughs> super efficient. Yeah. Then we, the, the rest of us, you know, I've been working on my cadence for uh, the first time I went to a running clinic was probably 15 years ago mm-hmm. and my target is 180 and I look at my after my runs I look at my cadence I don't look at it during my runs I use it as a benchmark I'll look at it and see okay I'm really smooth or I'm running my best in that 177 178 area I've yeah. tried to get I, and now on some races a 5k I get myself up over 180 because oh, yeah. I'm it's going fast really efficient on a sluggish day, I can almost predict and look at my cadence and it's 171. Mm-hmm. I'm out scuffling along. Yeah. And we have other people who show up who do their cadence is 165 or 160. And we just, that's the first step towards improving your running, becoming more efficient is to speed up that cadence. Mm-hmm. And if you're a 165 cadence, your goal is not 180 yet. Your goal yeah. is 168. Yeah. 
and slowly work your way up towards. It might take you months to mm-hmm. get up to one sixty-five and then one seventy, but your your targets are three or four beats per minute faster because it is it is recruiting a different muscle memory. You have mm-hmm. to you have to adjust yourself to that. But basically, a good quick cadence just means you're more efficient. And the think about it this way: it's picking your feet up off the ground a little bit quicker. Because you're trying to get your feet back up underneath you rather than over striding and heel striking. And a quicker cadence, quicker feet, quicker steps will eliminate a lot of the heel striking that Mm -hmm. causes massive problems. Massive problems. And many, many running injuries Mm -hmm. and muscle soreness from Achilles Um, to feet to knees to hips. Yeah. I remember, was that five years ago? You started your running clinics, and yep. I think I was a, a guinea pig for your first one, and yes. that's the first time I ever really heard about Cadence, um, and it cleaned up my running form quite a bit. What I would do, I wouldn't run with that app. I got the app, but I would listen to the app before I would go run. I just have it in the background, and I would listen to it, and then I would run, and I would, I think I probably ran for three or four months without music, and I would just listen to my body, listen to my feet. Yep. Um, maybe counted a little bit in my head <laughs> until I feel like I kind of got it figured out. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty efficient with that now. When, and when we, you've seen this happen, it, it, we work through those running form clinics on posture and breathing mm-hmm. and how to pick your foot up off the ground and how to lean forward. And then in that last bit of the clinic is where we introduce cadence. And that's typically the light bulb moment yeah. when people go, Oh, Oh, oh my gosh, I was plodding along mm-hmm. with this long loping, stride which basically the definition basically means you're overstriding yep. and overstriding is causes a lot of problems yes. uh, so speed your cadence up a little bit just have a little bit quicker steps we're not don't think of it as we're shortening our stride we're quickening our stride mm-hmm. so if meb and usain bolt are both running 180 steps per minute as am i where does that speed come in, Kevin? The leaning the lean. forward, mm-hmm. not from the waist, but from the ankles. Yep. Your your forward lean dictates the velocity at which you have to reach forward to catch yourself yep. with your next step. So a world-class sprinter, his stride length might be oh 10 God. yards yeah. or 12 yards. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I could be way off, but it's, it's long. It's long. A world-class marathoner running 13 miles per hour, his stride is long. Mm-hmm. Your stride and my stride at those same efforts, our half marathon pace, might be two feet or yeah. three feet. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the difference between us and world-class athletes. And yeah. the difference between a distance runner and a sprinter, it's that forward lean and the velocity at which they have to fire their leg yeah. to get their next step out in front at that pace. So, Okay. Yep. So there's Cadence. You can get the app on your phone. Metronome. Is that what it's called? No. Metro Timer. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that is, is cadence and that is why it, it matters. It matters to your form. It matters for injuries. So take a look at that. All right. Our last question today says, oh, this is a, a question of a conversation I've had with several people. One of my running friends says that I should not split my long runs into two runs. I say it doesn't matter. For instance, I was supposed to run 16 miles, but due to time constraints, I ran 10 in the morning and came back and ran six later that day. Please solve this argument. Oh, we can solve this one quickly. Mm-hmm. It is not the it's same. not the same. It is not the same. If you split it up, that means you ran 10 miles in the morning and six miles at night. Right. You still ran 16 miles within that 18 hour period. I mean, if your goal was just to get miles, I mean, like 
miles in. But right. if your point is to do a long run for a marathon, is that how you're going to run your marathon? Right. You, you lost when you ran that 10 miles and skipped the six, you lost all the physiological adaptations and stresses we were trying to have you experience in the last six miles of that 16 mile run. So yes, you ran 16 miles, but you didn't get out of the workout what we wanted you no, to get. Not at all. Not at all. And we hear this, you know, we, uh, again, some people say, you know, those people, <laughs> oh, you can split your long run. You can do this. I ran 10 in the morning and three. Okay. If you're, again, if you're just building aerobic volume, yeah. There are people who can run two times a day. I know I've got a friend who did that. He would run three miles in the morning and 10 miles at night, mm-hmm. but he was just building volume, oh, yeah, volume. and that's a great way mm-hmm. to do it. That's a great way to do it. Um, if you're chasing a, a year end volume goal and yeah. you just perform better at that volume, then sure. Split your long runs. I can't really run twice a day. My, Mm-mm. my body's not built for that. It no. needs the full recovery. But if you're training for a half marathon, a marathon, and you have a 16-mile run on your training plan, there's a specific <laughs> reason it says 16 miles. Yeah. So you're selling yourself short, and you're, you're not really going to be ready for the next run. Yeah. I had a runner one time ask, if I just ran four miles real fast every day, at the end of the week, that adds up to about a marathon can I run a marathon on that? And I said, no, <laughs> you can just run four miles real fast. You could probably run eight or 10 miles of a marathon yeah. and then walk the rest yeah. of it. That's no fun. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Don't split up your long runs. All right. Last question. So a few episodes ago, we did, we had a conversation about how to set goals. Oh yeah. We went through the whole exercise. And so we got some feedback from that. Because one of the things that we said was everybody's busy and everybody's that, busy. that is not, that really is an excuse for me. Like I am way too busy and you guys made me feel a little bit bad about myself because I really am busy. I've got small children. I've got a job. My husband travels. What do I do? Well, okay. Yeah. Uh, we're sorry if we made you feel bad. <laughs> Being you, you may truly be busy. Oh yeah, that sounds that sounds like you have a lot on your plate. For I'm sure, busy. you're busy, Holly. I'm busy. Everybody's busy, so it still was an excuse. It's, it's still excuse. there. So accept that, and so I think there's. I think I'm too busy is a legitimate excuse if it's followed by this statement. I'm too busy to pursue that goal that yes. I've set. Mm-hmm. I'm too busy to train for that marathon right now. And that is a runner being honest. That's a runner looking at their life. And, you know, they might want to eventually run a marathon. Like I have a runner right now who who has a, who has wants to run a marathon. But she's got two kids. She has a job. Her husband works. And at this season in her life, it is not the time for that to happen. Yep. It might be a goal two or three years from now. But right now her life is busy. And she... It's just not the right time for that. So maybe being busy, yes, it still is an excuse. Let's maybe talk again and let's reset your goal. Let's adjust the expectations. And there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to run a marathon right now. No. You don't have to. 
you maybe just want to run for fitness right now. So we need to take a look at look at your life and the reality of it and how can we adjust the goal and reset expectations. Yeah, I think if you come to me with a specific legitimate reason of what you're too busy to do, mm-hmm. we can talk about that. I am too busy to train for a marathon right now. Okay, cool. Yes. What time do that you have? That is me right now. I can literally not train for a marathon right now. So then we so say- So I'm not going to do it. So what What do you have available? Okay, you've yeah. got this much time per week, this many days per week. Okay, we can, let's work on just your cross training and your 5K speed right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Because we can do that on this many hours a week. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's and a if, big piece of it. If your life changes in the next year- You've been working on your cross training. You've been working on your 5K pace. You got a base there. Then we can get to it. Yeah. And that's part of our job is when somebody sets a bigger goal, mm-hmm. I want to run my first half or full or ultra. That's when we say, okay, that, that's great. But here's what it's going to look like. Is your life right now set up? Are you in that yeah. season of life to commit this much time? Yes or no? Yeah. If it's no, okay, great. Let's let's put that out there as that long-term goal and work this year within the parameters of what you've got. Because going back to one of our earlier episodes, the stress buckets, mm-hmm. we want this to be a release and a, an enjoyable, although difficult and challenging, yeah. but a, a positive part of your life, not another not, stress bucket. Yeah, not another bucket. Yeah. So yeah. we can we can work that in if you're if you're really busy. Let's find out what time you've got and how we can best use it to give you that achievement and those goals yeah and that comes back to you know and we say this over and over again is just being honest with yourself and honest with us yep. you know we're we're running coaches but i think sometimes that not that we're life coaches per se but helping people look at their situation and, and say does your running fit into your life right now or this goal this running goal fit into your life right now yeah well we're we're running coaches but we're also significant others we're employees mm-hmm. we're parents we're neighbors we yeah. have all we're doing the same we're doing the thing. same thing yep yep okay great so don't forget to reach out to us because we're going to do a coach q a probably every other week um so reach out to us at coaching can't stop endurance.com and don't forget we're on instagram facebook and twitter coach kevin loves the social media that's a thing <laughs> So leave us a comment on there. He, we, we, we both check those. So shoot us a comment on there and maybe we'll answer your question on a future episode. So thanks for tuning in. And don't forget, here at Can't Stop Endurance, run smart, train hard, and race fast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.